Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. Thank you and welcome back to the show that is making history his story. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about taking your car out and just driving for lift? You can make up to 30 sometimes even $40 an hour driving for Lyft, depending on what schedule and where you are. All it takes is passing a background check, an easy driving test, the ability to navigate using your smartphone, and a car that's reliable. You can set your own schedule. I do this in my spare time because, you know, you're sitting at home doing laundry, doing chores. Go online with that Lyft driver app. If a ride comes in that's close to you, it will notify you. You just go, you pick up your customer, and then you take them where they need to go, and then you're done. If you want to continue working for the day, you stay online. If you don't want to continue working, you sign off. It is one of the very few jobs in this world that you can actually go on duty and go off duty at any given time. You don't have to set any kind of schedule. You go online when you want to. You sign off when you want to. If you're interested in driving for Lyft, you got to use promo code Derek, D-E-R-E-K, 605503. Using that promo code when you sign up will make you eligible for a bonus that ranges anywhere between $50 and $500, depending on what area you're in. All you have to do is complete... 60 rides within your first month, and you will be eligible to receive that bonus. Once again, the range of the bonus depends on what area you're driving in. If you're choosing to use Lyft as a customer, you got to sign up for a brand new account, download that Lyft app, and use promo code Derek, D-E-R-E-K, 605503. You will get your first ride for free up to $20. As I said before, anyone can do Lyft. You just sign up, you submit your documents, everything's done through the app. Whether you're a customer or a driver, it makes it easy. Funds are deposited into your account when you finish your driving week. Or you can use instant pay. Let's say you don't want to wait till the end of the week to collect that paycheck. You can click instant pay and it will deposit the money right into your account right when you hit the button. I've found that Lyft is great as a driver to use whenever you're bored. Maybe you want to make some extra cash to pay for a a weekend trip or a vacation. Or maybe you lost a ton of money betting on UFC fights. And now you've got to recover that money. So whether you're going to drive for Lyft or be picked up by Lyft, you got to have that brand new account using discount code Derek, D-E-R-E-K, 605503. If you're driving, get that bonus between $50 and $500. Complete 60 rides in your first 30 days. If you're going to be a customer, 
you get your first ride for free up to $20, depending on your market. And now, the topic of today's podcast. I'm sure most of the listening audience has flown before. Every airport in the United States has their own airport code. The airport in Chicago has an airport code of ORD. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How does ORD mean Chicago? Let's say you're flying out of Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, Maryland's airport code is BWI, Baltimore, Washington International Airport. But ORD for Chicago? Airport codes generally are derived from the name of the airport. In 1942, having been built previously on a place called Orchard Place Field, the Chicago airport received the airport code of ORD for Orchard Place Field that it was built on. The OR and the D coming from the first word. Have you ever heard of that airport? Orchard Place? Probably not. There isn't much history of Orchard Place. It was a field, and when the government decided to start construction on building an airport, a lot of people were upset about it. They didn't want this airport coming in. They liked having the open space and the fields in their area. And that's how construction is in a lot of places. They don't want People don't want the area that they grew up in to change because people are generally afraid of change and progress. Orchard Place used to be a stop on the Wisconsin Central Railroad back in the 1800s. As an area that did receive some railroad traffic, it seemed like a good area for an airport. And the Orchard Place Airport received that name in 1942. But what else was happening in the 1940s? We were getting ready to go to war. There were speakeasies all over the place. And the Chicago area was the site of one of the most vicious gangsters, Al Capone. Al Capone being a legendary mobster, amassing great fortunes in all kinds of different business practices, most of them unethical, things like dog track racing or the business protection industry, the running of alcohol through speakeasies, and making money off of whiskey and gangs and all kinds of criminal activities that mobsters were involved in back in the day. One of Al Capone's trusted business partners was his lawyer, Easy Eddie. Easy Eddie being the entrepreneur, he got along very well with Al Capone. He was an amazing lawyer who kept Al Capone out of trouble for years and years, and he was very well paid for his efforts. Having lived most of his life in St. Louis, he really wasn't affiliated with Chicago, but his ties to Al Capone associated him with Chicago. Easy Eddie made a ton of money working with Al Capone, and he got some special payback. Anyone who is in good graces with Al Capone and does favors for him gets favors in return. One of Easy Eddie's perks of being a lawyer for Al Capone was living the high life. The house that Easy Eddie lived in with his family was the size of an entire city block. Eddie was able to provide the best of everything for his family. The best cars, the best clothes. He had money to spare for 
anything. Now, Easy Eddie had already established himself as a prominent lawyer, but teaming up with Al Capone, that just made his access to money pretty much unlimited. But life would not always remain flourishing for Easy Eddie. No one is really sure what made Easy Eddie turn on Al Capone. There's some evidence that he may have developed a conscience and wanted to set a good example for his family of doing the right thing. But in my humble opinion, I think Easy Eddie really saw the writing on the wall and he knew that the federal authorities were closing in on them and he had to make a deal to avoid prison time. And that's exactly what Easy Eddie did. He turned on Al Capone and provided information to the federal authorities that allowed them to convict Al Capone on income tax evasion. Now, he knew this was a big risk going against his boss. Everyone knew it at that time. You don't cross Al Capone as one of the most deadly and most feared mobsters in America at the time. Everyone knew that if you cross him, you will be killed. On November 8th, 1939, Easy Eddie was driving his new Lincoln Zephyr. He was driving it down the road, coming home from the dog track. Two men in a car pull up beside him. They open fire, killing him, thus bringing his privileged life to a sudden and tragic end. Easy Eddie survived long enough to turn on Al Capone, but he did not survive the shotgun blast that ended his life in 1939. Part of Easy Eddie's legacy would live on. That living legacy would be his son, Edward Henry. Growing up in a family that had all the perks that money can buy and having some lofty goals, Edward joined the Navy and became a pilot. He was very successful as a pilot. Edward Henry would be born in St. Louis, Missouri. Edward Henry being born into a life of privilege had everything that he needed, everything that he wanted. But he did have drive. And that drive, along with his father's sternness, pushed him into the Navy. Once in the Navy, he had a driving interest in aviation. He graduated from the Western Military Academy back in 1932. He joined the United States Naval Academy. And he served two years on board a battleship. Then he started flying. This would be the beginning of the career of the topic of our podcast. While there are many topics that could be talked about on today's show, Al Capone was not the topic of today's podcast. His lawyer, Easy Eddie, while leading a fascinating life, was not the topic of today's podcast. But Easy Eddie's son, Edward Henry, is the topic of today's podcast. Flying for the Navy. He flew all kinds of different types of planes. He became fluent in aerial gunnery as well as aerobatics. He was very skilled in taking planes out, making them do all sorts of difficult maneuvers, and he was very good at firing his weapons on the planes. Eventually, he made his way 
to the Pearl Harbor area. He enjoyed fishing. Legend has it that he would just hang out by the ocean. If he got hungry, he'd dive into the water and come up with a fish. He'd roll over on his back, just like an otter would do, and eat the fish raw. He was very skilled in the water. Legend has it that he captured at least one octopus with his bare hands and killed it. He was at home in the water and at sea. He could take anything that he caught, throw it in a frying pan with a little bit of oil and salt, and cook it up. Edward Henry married a woman named Rita. Together they had a daughter. As Edward Henry's naval career progressed, he became a more and more successful pilot to the point where now he was teaching other pilots. He taught many simple techniques that would be used to save the lives of pilots. Little tricks that he would use when he flew. Little techniques like when you're making a specific maneuver, here's how you should have your head positioned, or this is the angle you should check. If you're going to turn a certain way, you want to look in this direction because that will allow you to see enemy fighters before you start your turn. These were little things that made him very successful on his own, but now he was bringing that knowledge to a new set of pilots. He was pretty intelligent. During one of his instructions, he was referring to the enemy fighters, and he says, if you ever jump one of them and you surprise him, remember, the first thing he's going to do is a loop. Don't follow him into it. By the time you go into it a second time, he'll be behind you. The first thing you should do when he starts up the loop is make a hard right and keep turning. You'll come right around, and when he bottoms out of the loop, you'll be right on his tail. He also said, remember, in today's world, whenever you take off and engage the enemy, you're going to be outnumbered. If you want to survive this war, you have to look behind you every chance you get, even when you pull the trigger. Be sure to look behind because there's going to be somebody back there. One of the most common warplanes of the day were referred to as Bettys. These were land-based Mitsubishi bombers that were called Bettys due to their voluptuous shape. The real Betty being a well-endowed American army nurse that the American soldiers remembered fondly by calling the Mitsubishi Bombers, Bettys. As a pilot in the Navy, Edward Henry received many honors, from taking down multiple planes single-handedly to going on missions where he risked his life and saved the lives of many other soldiers. Edward Henry was aboard the USS Lexington one day when the radar picked up unknown aircraft 30 miles away. Edward Henry was one of several pilots to launch and go after these unknown aircraft. It turns out the unknown aircraft were nine Bettys headed towards the USS Lexington. During the open fire, five of the nine Bettys were shot down. But the USS Lexington picked up a second formation of Bettys. This one was even closer. With several of the pilots already chasing the first formation, that left Edward Henry and his wingman as the sole form of defense for the USS Lexington. 
the topic of our podcast, in his Wildcat aircraft, had enough ammunition for about 34 seconds of firing. He started a high side diving attack and open fired. He was aiming for fuel tanks to shoot down the Bettys, catching planes on fire and depleting their fuel so they couldn't go anywhere, leaving them no choice but to either explode or crash into the sea. Now, typically on this podcast, I get my information from several different sources, sometimes more sources than I can count, in order to bring everything into a typical summary. But the rest of this summary actually comes from Wikipedia. Wikipedia is generally a source, but they often do get some facts wrong. But when it comes to this story, it's very well written, and they get the facts right. With two Bettys knocked out of formation, Edward Henry began his second firing pass. His first target was the outside plane. His bullets damaged the right engine and left fuel tank, forcing the pilot to dump his bombs and abort his mission. Edward Henry next targeted the plane of Petty Officer First Class Susumu Uchiyami, which blazed up and fell towards the sea. During his third pass, the remaining Bettys were nearing the bomb release point, which left very little time to take action. First, he knocked down Lieutenant Mitani. Mitani's departure left the lead plane, commanded by Lieutenant Commander Ito. Edward Henry concentrated his fire and caused the plane's port engine to literally jump out of its mountings and fall from the plane. Indeed, the explosion was so violent that the first pilots were convinced an AA burst had struck their commander's plane. With a gaping hole in its left wing, Ito's plane dropped towards the sea. Shortly after this, Edward Henry made another firing pass, but ran out of ammunition. Frustrated, he pulled away to allow the ships to fire their anti-aircraft guns. Without his interference, the four survivors managed to drop their ordnance, but all of their bombs missed. Edward Henry believed he had shot down six bombers and damaged a seventh. The captain in the Navy would later reduce this to five, as four of the reported nine bombers were still overhead when he pulled out. Lieutenant Commander John Thatch Hurrying towards the scene with reinforcements, saw three enemy bombers falling in flames at the same time. Fact is, Edward Henry only destroyed three of the Bettys. The last plane, however, was not yet finished. Warrant Officer Watanabe tried to hit Lexington with his damaged plane, but he missed. He flew right into the water beside the Lexington. Three more Bettys were damaged by Edward Henry's attacks. Of these, two safely landed, while the third became lost in a storm. With no ammunition, he had to return to his carrier, and they accidentally fired on him. Fortunately, there was no damage. During this entire firestorm, Edward Henry's plane had only been hit by one bullet. It was a single bullet hole in the port wing that disabled the airspeed indicator. Legend has it that when Edward Henry returned to the carrier, he found the anti-aircraft gunner who had fired at his plane and said, Son, if you don't stop shooting at me when I've got my wheels down, I'm going to have to report you to the gunnery officer. 
After this, it was calculated that Edward Henry had only used 60 rounds of ammunition for each bomber that he had destroyed. This was a very impressive feat of marksmanship. This would also lead to the Presidential Medal of Honor. On April 21, 1942, Edward Henry and his wife visited the White House. Franklin Roosevelt, the president, honored Edward Henry with the Medal of Honor. A parade was held for him in St. Louis. He was becoming a celebrity for his military service. Edward Henry was now a hero. In St. Louis, a parade was thrown in his honor. One headline read that 60,000 people attended the parade to give him a hero's welcome. On his Medal of Honor citation, they referred to his combat mission as one of the most daring, if not the most daring, single action in the history of combat aviation. Edward Henry continued teaching aviation and continued flying the occasional mission. One of the next missions he would complete would be a night mission. Now this was back in the days where radar was very primitive and night flying was very difficult. They relied on radio communication and radar in order to find their target. They had running lights that they could use to see, but their vision was limited. As Edward Henry and another pilot took off on their night mission, Edward Henry was seen at the five o'clock position in their formation. About the same time, another Betty had appeared directly behind Edward Henry. The Americans fired on the Betty, but Edward Henry was caught in the crossfire. Seconds later, his plane slid out of the formation. Then it vanished into the dark. Another pilot tried to reach him through the radio. Edward Henry did not respond. His plane dropped low and out of view. Another pilot thought he saw something at a speed that was way too slow to be anything but a parachute. Something whitish-gray appeared below, possibly a splash of the aircraft plunging into the sea. A search was launched. No trace of Edward Henry or his plane was found. Shortly after that, a flying boat conducted a search and was unable to find anything. Edward Henry was reported missing in action. The official date of his missing was November 26, 1943. One year later, he was declared dead. Now, there is controversy surrounding his death. In a book that was written about this historical event, the authors determined that the pilot had been shot down by a Betty. They said he most likely died or was immediately disabled by a lucky shot from the forward observer crouched in the Betty's forward glassed-in nose. For 54 years, there was no definitive answer as to whether he had been brought down by the Japanese Betty or whether he had been killed by friendly fire. In 1997, the publication of the primary source of the investigation clearly states that it was the Betty that shot him down and not friendly fire. This would be a controversy that would last for years. Edward Henry was presented with a Navy Cross citation after his death. He fearlessly led his group into combat against a large formation of hostile aircraft and assisted in shooting down two Japanese airplanes and dispersed the remainder. 
for his outstanding courage, daring airmanship, and devotion to duty were in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. His name was engraved on the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific Wall of the Missing in Honolulu, Hawaii. For Edward Henry is none other than Butch O'Hare. So while you may have not heard of Edward Henry, on September 19, 1949, the Orchard Depot Airport was renamed the O'Hare National Airport in Chicago as a tribute to the topic of today's podcast, Butch O'Hare. Because now you know the rest of the story. Good day. Good day.